to the Backlot Review, an official part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I am your host, John Kegley, and today I am joined by my lesser host, Steven Saria. Steven, say hello. No. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, everybody? Um, All right, so today's episode is going to be a pretty good one. Um, We're not going to just do one review today. We're going to do a couple of reviews uh, and try to keep them a little bit shorter um, because there's been a lot of films that have been coming out recently that we haven't uh, really been getting to, you know, per episode. So we figured that we'd uh, get them all done today on one episode. Um, those four movies that we're going to be reviewing are Zombieland 2, Maleficent, two. Dolomite is my name. Oh, wait, what? Oh, yeah, Maleficent 2. I'm sorry. Dolomite is my name and the lighthouse which me and steven were super excited to uh uh review so with all that being said we kind of just want to jump into it so yeah we're not going to do news or anything oh since we're talking about so much oh we might as well yeah it's, it's gonna be a longer so like twitter and the instagram which you guys should definitely check out inside backlot um so yeah the just twitter at inside here. At Inside Backlot on Twitter and on Instagram at Inside the Backlot. Go check it out. We're doing some fun things on there. Um, and also, I want to mention too that we are are because we always do a top five every episode. Our top five for this episode will be top five zombie movie slash TV shows. Um, we'll get into that when we start talking about Zombie Land. So, without further ado, let's get into some Maleficent two. Alrighty, so uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, is the sequel to. 2014's Maleficent. Um, this one came out, I believe, what like a week and a half ago. Uh, directed by Joaquim Ronning. Um, this is the same director of, you know, the TV show Marco Polo. Did you ever watch that yep. on Netflix? Yeah, um, yep. I never finished it, but yep. Okay, well, I never started it. <laughs> so i don't really know anything about that was like it. one of the original uh netflix tv shows like i think it was like one of the first ones didn't it get canceled i it probably i don't think it was anything to write home about like after like the first season or something like that pretty sure it got canceled um well he also did more recently uh pirates of the caribbean dead men tell no tales which was the most recent pirates of the caribbean did you watch that um no i actually stopped giving a shit about pirates after the third one <laughs> Well, I mean, good for you, I guess. I don't know. I've seen all of them just because the first Pirates is probably one of my top 10 favorite movies ever. It's so good. It's so, so good. Um, This one, okay, well, number five was better than number four, which isn't really hard to do. Number four was like the uh, was the first one they had without Orlando Bloom, right? Uh, correct? Yeah, that's the one with um, Salma Hayek and Blackbeard. Okay. Um, it was bad. Number five was less bad, but still bad. Um, is Orlando Bloom in, in number five or no? 
spoiler alert yes he is well no not a spoiler because he's in the trailer um yes he is in the fifth one but he's only in it for like five minutes and wow is he like in the end of the movie or okay, like they just like threw him in so the- he's in the beginning of the movie and he's at the end of the movie and i'm just going to go ahead and say spoilers for pirates of the caribbean 5 because one either you care enough to have watched it or two you don't care enough to have watched it wait hold on pause pause real quick like okay so is he is he spoilers for endgame too what? Is he pretty much like Captain Marvel? I'm saying spoilers for Endgame for those that haven't watched it. How are you relating this to Endgame? Because I'm saying, is he is he like Captain Marvel in Endgame? Like, you know, two minutes in the beginning and like three minutes at the end. Yeah, you know what I mean? but like he's not really like directly have like a... important to the story. Okay. Okay, so basically, <laughs> this is Orlando Bloom's role. Um, the one of the main characters, like I guess one of the ones who they wanted to kind of like pass the torch down to, um, I don't remember like his character's name. He's the son of Orlando Bloom and uh, Elizabeth Turner, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. So Orlando Bloom shows up like in the beginning of the movie to like speak to his son, and then he's gone for like two hours, and then he shows up at the end, like to be with his son and and Kira Knightley's character, Elizabeth. And then <laughs> there's a post credit scene. Oh, no. In the movie, okay? And the post credit scene is um, Orlando Bloom's character and Kira Knightley's character, and they're sleeping together. Like, they're knocked the fuck out. And, you know, there's lightning outside. There's, <laughs> there's a big storm, storm going on outside. Um, and you could hear like footsteps in the house, but the footsteps are like a little off. Um, and like it's like a POV shot of like someone walking towards like the room that they're sleeping in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there's lightning, like lightning flashes through like the window of the room, and the shadow of Davy Jones is on the floor, like through during like the lightning strike. Um, and like Orlando Bloom like wakes up. Like, he's, like, jolted awake, like, right after the lightning strike. Like, he looks around, but he doesn't see anyone or anything. So he goes back to sleep, and the camera, like, pans down toward the floor. And you see, like, one of, like, his little tentacles, like, on the floor, like, wiggling around. That's... (laughs) So, like, I guess they were setting up, like, a Pirate 6 where Davy Jones comes back. I don't know how they were going to do that. Um, but this was like before all the reboot conversation was coming in, so I don't yeah, know what the hell's going that's on. That's what I was gonna. I don't know what the I was gonna lead going to that. that. I was gonna say, cause I'm like, oh, isn't this shit getting rebooted? Um, I guess. All right. Well, okay. So wait, how do we get, get here? Too, yeah, I don't know. Um, so the director of oh, that movie right. did Maleficent one and two, or he only did the second uh, one? Oh, he only did the second one. Um, Maleficent one was uh Robert Stromberg. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to say right off the bat, I haven't seen Maleficent 1, so I can't judge this movie as, like, a sequel. Um, so I'm just going to be judging it strictly, like, off of this movie itself. So don't be coming at me on Twitter or Instagram if you saw this shit and be like, oh, but you know, in the first movie, I'm speaking of this. It's the best movie ever! I don't think anyone is saying that. 
has a forty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Okay, hold on, hold on. Someone asked me earlier why Maleficent got a sequel, and I'm looking at the box office. The first one made almost eight hundred million dollars. That's exactly why it got a sequel. Yeah, and I think this one has only made like it's made around three hundred million. Yeah, three hundred. So that's pretty disappointing. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, All right. You know, so let, let, let us run its course. All right. So uh, let me go ahead and get into my review of Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Um, basically, Maleficent is kind of okay. Aurora, which is Sleeping Beauty. Okay, let me say right off the bat that this is not like the Sleeping Beauty and the Maleficent of the original like classic Disney movie. This is like like that we know of. Yeah, I guess this is like a different like timeline. I guess. Um, or like a different take on it. Yeah, where Maleficent is actually the stepmother to Aurora. And Aurora kind of rules over this place called the Moors, which is basically like the woodland area of the kingdom where like the fairies and the pixies and, you know, there's trolls and shit like that. Um, Aurora is the king or I'm sorry, the queen of that area. And I guess like Maleficent just kind of, you know, like does her own shit somewhere else. I don't like that was never really properly like explained. Um, so Aurora is in love with uh, Prince Philip. Who is played by uh, Sam Riley? I believe is Prince Philip. Oh no, Sam Riley is a uh, Diaval. Who plays Prince Philip in this movie? Whatever, that's not important. Uh, Harris Dickinson. Harris Dickinson. There we go. Uh, so they're in love, and Prince Philip asks Aurora to marry him. So whatever, high jinks ensue, um, and it's revealed uh, that his mother is the queen, obviously, the queen and the king who rule over the kingdom next to the Moors. Uh, the queen is played by Michelle Pfeiffer, a human royal of the nearby kingdom. Um, Aurora and Prince Philip see this marriage as like kind of like this bridge joining the human kingdom to like the magical creatures. So they see this as like a big opportunity to really like restore peace. Uh, Maleficent is very unhappy about this because she doesn't really trust humans. I guess after the events of the first film, um, she just has like this distaste for humans. And it's later revealed that some members of the royal family have a distaste towards, you know, the creatures and like specifically Maleficent, like as a whole. I'm trying to be like as spoiler free as possible. So with that being said, I like, kind of like the groundwork of this movie. This movie actually reminded reminded me a lot of Shrek. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like Shrek is a fantastic movie, so that's a good comparison. So, but like, you, can you like see why it kind of reminded me of Shrek? Yeah, the whole thing with the kingdom. The whole thing of like, like the kingdom, who's like afraid of these like creatures and yeah, are like looked down upon and all that shit. Lord Farquaad. Have you seen Shrek recently? Like the new ones? No. no, no, no Are you no, talking no, about the no, first no. one? Like the first one. Have you seen the first one recently? No, but I, I, I kind of want to. There's, so like, there's like a scene where like Lord Farquaad, like, <laughs> like you see it for like a split second. It's when it's like in the beginning of the movie when Lord Farquaad. You remember when he's like telling the mirror to like go through like all the princesses and stuff? Yeah. I'm scared to see it, to hear what you're about to so say. So, like, uh, like for like one frame, like you could see that, like <laughs> he's starting to get like an erection really quick, and then he like adjusts himself. 
I, I swear, I swear. Rewatch Bro, Shrek and rewatch I, that scene, and you'll notice that. I, I saw. I'm it pulling on, this up after the podcast. I swear, I, I'll try to find it and post it. On, this on the Twitter. This will, by the way, we will be reviewing that scene on the backlot <laughs> review after dark in depth. No, but it's a real scene. So like, and there's a lot of like, like innuendo and like a lot of really, really adult. Humans. oh yeah yeah a ton i mean bro they do a lot of adult jokes and just disney movies and all that stuff like it's it's actually crazy when you go back and watch the movies that we watched as kids it's it's pretty mind-blowing how how many adult style jokes that they make that just went over our heads oh yeah but i think shrek is like by far the worst bro lord farquad <laughs> like bro <laughs> like bro I, I don't know how they got away with like half the shit that they got away with yeah, bro, it's actually impressive. So, um, back to Maleficent. Um, it kind of reminded me a lot about like Shrek in that sense, except yeah, not as good or entertaining. Uh, the movie itself was pretty uh, predictable and pretty like cliched. There was nothing really interesting that they were doing. Um, Which I feel like it's a as a as a problem with a lot of the Disney live action films. I agree. 100% I agree. Um, now, I wanted to ask you, too, like, I, this is just me going off trailers and, and commercials. The f- style of the film, from what I remember, like, it looks like the way it's, like, it looks like it has, like, an Instagram filter over it. Like, it you know how, like, Zack yes, Snyder has, yeah, like, this yeah, dark, yeah, yeah, yeah. grainy, like, it looks like a Zack Snyder film. Yeah, like, there's this weird, like, color correction that they have going on where everything feels... I don't want to say washed out because it doesn't really look washed out, but you could definitely tell that um, a lot of the colors are really distorted. Everything doesn't look natural, which I am I'm assuming they're going for this look because, you know, this is supposed to be like a fairy tale and like, you know, this fantasy world. Um, but I can I can see what you're saying. It's not as bad as like in a lot of like the Zack Snyder movies, especially the DC yeah. ones, which is like basically fucking black and white. <laughs> but there is definitely some color correction to this. Um, what I was saying. It's crazy that this guy uses all these like filters on a Superman movie. Bro, right? It's like he like watches that shit on Instagram. <laughs> he just like swipes Bro, like, like filter to filter. The, the one, <laughs> but the thing is like the one character in, in comic books that like should have bright and 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 powerful colors, you know, popping up. <laughs> he just decides to throw an Instagram filter over it. Bro. You watch Man of Steel, and, and it's like you're watching The Lighthouse. <laughs> 100%, bro. And I, I think The Lighthouse is less depressing. Honestly, though. No, The, the Lighthouse is, is is such a happy movie, bro. It's a f- very Wha- family-friendly movie. <laughs> I walked out with a smile on my face. <laughs> well, I actually did, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I movie's legitimately, fantastic. I legitimately but we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. So, um, like I was saying, the movie's pretty predictable. You know, all like the story beats that you kind of like expect to happen happen. Um, the action is pretty dull. The imagery is pretty dull. Uh, the cinematography is pretty like, eh, it's like, like just normal, you know, Disney by the numbers. Like, hey, let's wrap this up quickly type of stuff. Like, there's no really like, there's no ambition, like to this movie. Yeah. Like kind of like I, in it, the it, way honestly, that Lion King was. That there's really yeah. There was no like heart. It really this. just sounds like they've made this film because. Well, first of all, they they had to give it a green light because of how much money the first one made. So it was just one of those things where, like, I mean, like I said, I mean, we both haven't seen the first one, so we don't even know how good the first one is. But it just sounds like 
they kind of just went with the motions and just made it just to make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I feel like Bob Iger saw this, like saw like the reports one day. He was like, "Oh well, I guess we gotta make a Maleficent too. And I just throw that in somewhere." And, it, yeah, and the exactly first one came out five like. years ago, so you would think they, you know, they had since they had all this time to like, you know, think of a sequel and ideas that they would do something more interesting. Um, you know, nope. You know, she would tell Ezio Four is in this, right? Yeah, he, I just saw, I just saw the he's cast in it for list. like five minutes. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, he's in the ship for like five minutes. You know who else is in the ship for like five minutes? No, huh? Maleficent. <laughs> really? That's not a joke. She's like, I would say Maleficent's character is by far the best part of the movie, and she's barely in it. And this is her own this movie. Is her own, she's the title of the movie. So who who has more screen time than her? A lot like, of characters who Sleeping are, Beauty? A lot of Sleeping Beauty is in it for has like a decent amount of screen time. Um Michelle Pfeiffer's character, the queen, has a lot of screen time. Um, I'd say like between those, it's pretty balanced between those three, but since the queen and Aurora are just so mind-bogglingly boring, and Angelina Jolie is pretty awesome as Maleficent, I'd say she 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 delivers a pretty good performance. I'm just kind of thinking like, okay, I don't really care about any of this human bullshit. I just want to see, you know, Maleficent, Maleficent. be evil, which is also yeah. kind of, you know, another. Not really problem that I have with the movie, but the movie's called Mistress of Evil, and like Maleficent's like barely even a villain. Like she's like not even remotely evil. Like they kind of try to like what? paint her as like this grumpy like like creature who's like upset at humans, but like, she's definitely not bad like at all. Is that like the only bad quality that she has in the movie? Is it just her distaste for humans? Yeah. Pretty much, <laughs> like she just doesn't what trust. What the hell is the like, point just, of calling it the Mistress of Evil? But like, then? but like the funniest part is, is that like she's like, she, her, it's her distrust of like the queen, and she's right anyways. <laughs> like she ends up being right about it. So like I don't understand why, like this is called Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, or even why like this needs to be about Maleficent at all. Like why couldn't you have just made this another character? This movie just sounds pretty pointless to me. It is pretty pointless, and like there's just some. <laughs> Like, it's pretty dumb and, like, pretty... Okay, I don't want to say dumb, but it's pretty, like, by the numbers until, <laughs> until you get to, like, a certain point in the movie. And then they're basically like, hey, this pixie or this queen is, like, this vague, you know, like, representation of Hitler. And like, look, we have this, like, fairy in captivity who we use as, like, this genocidal maniac. <laughs> and, like, at one point in the movie... Um, they try to have like their own red wedding. Literally, I am not. No. I am not joking, John Kegley. They lock up all of these like no. mystical characters like into this room during a wedding, and they start like you know secreting like this poisonous gas into the room. Um, in this attempt to try to kill off these you know mystical creatures and stuff. Oh, and like the gas is literally red. <laughs> like it's literally red. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesus Christ. So like like it's okay up like until a certain point and then it just gets ridiculous, but not like a good kind of ridiculous. Um the ending just really doesn't make much sense. Like the big final battle just kind of like ends and then they have a wedding like right there. Like the battle so happy. The, no, no, everyone no, 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 lived no, no, on like, to be happy. 
The what? what I'm saying like it just it just the battle ends. Everyone just goes on to live their happy lives, and that's it. No, the battle ends and they get married, like on the ground that they walk, like amongst the blood of their friends and family. <laughs> like they, okay. they have a they have a wedding. <laughs> this movie sounds so dumb. Please tell me there wasn't a post credit scene, bro. No, but I didn't stay long enough to like find out. Imagine in the post credit scene, uh, like the wizard from from the uh, the like the original Mickey Mouse cartoon. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, from Fantasma. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he pops out, and it's like they're trying to make like a Kingdom Hearts universe. (laughs) Oh God! Oh no! It's um, fuck. What's his name? Like uh, Rafiki comes out with Aladdin. <laughs> Welcome to the Disney live action universe. <laughs> but they can't even have Maleficent as a villain because she's fucking good. Yeah, for real. Um, so like to, to wrap up like the Maleficent section, it manages to like be just entertaining enough where like you're not really bored, but it's nothing to write home about. Like it's nothing really interesting. Um, there's no, you know, I don't want to say risks being taken because you can't really say that for like a Disney live action movie um, because then you don't like you're already setting the film up for failure. Uh, but it just really does nothing interesting. So for that, I, I have to give it like a 2.5 out of 5. A 2.5 out of 5? I feel like like I feel like it's, a 2.5 it's perfectly is still average. like... It's perfectly average. Okay. Okay. I was going to say because I, like, I feel like with the review you were giving it, you'd probably give it just a little below average. Um, like I would like it, it sounds like if like if I were to have seen this movie and rate it, like it sounds like I'd probably give it like a one point five or a two out of five. But Angelina Jolie herself, she carries the movie carries the movie to like a two point five out of five. Yeah. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Um, next we're gonna be reviewing Zombieland. Do you want to do Zombieland and you want to do our uh, top five right now? Yeah. So, do you want to list your top five all in succession, and then I'll do mine? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to list my top five guys, and um, I'll let Steven do his right after, and then we'll get into some uh, Zombieland 2, uh, Dolomite is, is my name in the lighthouse. Um, so I'm going to start off with my honorable mention. My honorable mention this time around isn't actually anything crazy. Like, usually I like are to, they, they you usually? know, put... Yeah, they, it's usually some weird shit as my honorable mention. No, you usually put like the weird shit like up at like your number two or like your number three. No, no, no. But like, or, like okay, I might. I usually have some weird shit on my list, but I feel like this All list right, doesn't have anything weird. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so my honorable mention is gonna be I Am Legend. If you count that, um, some people might try to counter that and say, well, they're not exactly zombies, but I kind of take them as zombies. Um, so that's going to be my honorable mention. I think that movie is actually pretty good. Will Smith is awesome. The whole scene with him killing the dog makes me cry every time. Um, so yeah, that's my honorable mention. I actually really like that movie. I actually really, really enjoy it. I can't enjoy Um, that movie knowing like the true like ending of it. (laughs) What's the true ending? I don't even know. Basically, um, and I might be misremembering. But it's kind of like revealed that like these zombies or whatever like have their own society, <laughs> and that Will Smith's character is was kind of like a big douchebag the whole time, like killing them off. Um, what? Yeah, it, it's not how like the film 
presented. That just doesn't sound good to me, though. <laughs> it, like, presented itself. Like, the book is, at least from what I've read, um, is much more interesting than the movie. I'm not saying that the movie's bad, but if they would have gone... Look it up. If they've gone the way or the direction that the book did everything, I think the movie would be much better. All right, I'll 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 read into that. I mean, at the end of the day, I think I Am Legend, which is, which is why it's on my honorable mention list, is a good popcorn film. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, So, to get that one out of the way, my number five is going to be The Walking Dead TV show. And when I say The Walking Dead, I mean specifically the first few seasons, you know, season one, two, three... I don't even know if I want to count three, but I'll, I'll throw it in there. Because I don't think you should count two either, honestly. Honestly, though, like the first season of The Walking Dead is one of the best seasons of any TV show. Like, you can't. I don't even know if you can make an argument there. Like season one of The Walking Dead is so 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 good. It's so well directed, written. Everything about it is just fantastic. I feel like the way that season ended, you could have even stopped the show right there and it would have been fine, but they just had to drag it on for 15 seasons. And um, I stopped watching The Walking Dead after like season four or five. I, okay, if anyone's listening to this that still like watches The Walking like Dead. right now? It's like on nine or something. I or legitimately don't know anyone who still watches the show. No, I, I know a couple of people that still watch it, unfortunately. Really? Um,. The season I, this, I stopped watching it was, I mean, I don't know how, how far you watched it, but it was like there was an episode with I thought they were going to kill Glenn, but he ended up hiding under a dumpster or something That's like that. That's when I stopped that following was, the show like completely. I had stopped watching already, but I kind of kept up with it. But that's when yeah, I 100% yeah, yeah. just stopped following. Yeah, that was, that was the day that I completely just cut it off. I was like, I, I literally, like, I had, like, a, a series recording on my DVR at my parents' house, and I canceled it. I was like, I'm not doing this, bro. This show sucks ass. Just It just <laughs> sucks, bro. That show just dragged on. Um, So, Walking Dead's my number five. The first season's actually really good. It's so, so good. Um, My number four is World War Z. Brad Pitt is so fire in this movie. Fire at um, everything he does. Yeah, we, we've already had this discussion. He's one of the best actors ever. Um, really not much to say here. I mean, it's just a great action film. And, and if you really like zombies and you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. <clears throat> uh, my number three is actually 28 Weeks Later, which I kind of <laughs> wanted to put as my number one, but I didn't. Because I, 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 in certain ways, I prefer 28 Weeks Later over 28 Days Later. And I really don't know why. I just enjoy that movie more. Um, but they're both fantastic films. Um, but after like kind of thinking about it while I was, you know, constructing my list, I decided I'd, I'll keep it at number three, but yeah, 28 weeks later, 28 weeks later might be like one of the first movies I remember from a kid as like when I was like young, I don't know how old I was when I watched it, but I remember I was like, I was like a kid, you know what I mean? Um, like at least one years old. Nah, <laughs> I was actually not born yet when that movie came out. I was, I was in my mom's womb when I watched it. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, this movie came out in 2007, so I was about 12 years old. So I remember, so I guess I was 12 years old when I watched it. Dude, this is like one of the first movies like I can literally remember. Like probably the first movie that actually made me like terrified. You know what, what I mean? The hell? Like, and you watched this shit? What do you mean? And you watched this shit like so young? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be fucking terrified. No wonder you came out the way you are. <laughs> nah, bro. It's just, no wonder you're scared. Honestly, of honestly, you know who I, you know whose fault it is is my uncle, bro, Roly. You know Roly. 
He showed me this movie. No wonder you're so scared of Pennywise was, and shit. Yeah, bro. I have a I have a fear of Pennywise from it. Did, um, did you close your eyes when you were like editing all the Spooktober posts? Every every single one, bro. I just, bro. I don't even edit them. Actually, I pay someone to edit them. I just I just take all the credit. Um. So yeah, twenty eight weeks later, great film. One of the first movies I actually I think I watched twenty eight weeks later before I watched twenty eight days later. Which shame on me for doing that. I but. mean, I just watched Maleficent too, and I, <laughs> and I haven't seen Maleficent. So yeah, but it's Maleficent. You know what I mean? Um, yes, it's no Dora. Yeah, it's really not. Don't even get me started, bro. It's the best movie of all time. Um, so yeah, twenty eight weeks later, number two, which I would have maybe fought for number one on my list too, was Dawn of the Dead. But the uh, the the one that came out in seventy eight, that movie is just fantastic. I think that's like one of the first like classic zombie movies to really like get the ball rolling with that with that genre. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. i feel like any kind of zombie movie that came before it was not really it was, it was revo- this was revolutionary yes exactly exactly um so that's why i have it so high on my list i mean obviously like some people don't like to watch older movies so they might it might not age well for them but i mean if you can look past it it's it's a really good film um i'm not sure if i saw the one that Zack snyder did like the the, the reboot right well, he's doing the reboot. Like, it had, like, I think he just wrapped up filming. For Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um. Okay, so never mind. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if I've seen it or something, but... No, wait, no. The, the 2004 one, bro. That's what I'm talking about. There's a, new, there's a new one coming out, though, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. No, I'm talking about the one that came out in 2004. Oh. No, no, no. I haven't seen that one. Oh, oh okay. I don't even know if I want to. I mean, it's Zack Snyder, bro. Like, I, I, the only movie I really like that Zack Snyder has done is Man of Steel. Just put whatever like movie you want to see through like an Instagram and like swipe through the filters and then just watch them and just say you saw a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> or you so could, yeah, number two. Or you could go outside and watch grass grow. <laughs> honestly, honestly though, honestly though. Okay, no, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to trash him like that because he's not that bad. He's not. No, that bad. Zack I'm Snyder. Just Zack Snyder is actually a great visual director. He needs a fan fucking tastic writer behind him yeah, to make yeah. a, good, a good movie. All these, all these Zack Snyder jokes are just jokes. We kind of like him. He has his problems. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I can recognize what he is good at. Well, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like 300 is pretty good. Watchmen. I enjoy, was pretty, I enjoy I, 300. Honestly. Okay. Watchmen. I like the movie better than I do the, the graphic novel. Really? Well, the ending, I don't like the ending to the graphic novel. I think the movie does it a lot better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the ending is pretty weird. So, so I'll, I'll give Zack Snyder that. That's that was a good, but, but he's like he does really good stuff. Like when he's just you know when he has a, a good source material, you know. I agree. I agree with that. Um, my number one is Twenty Eight Days Later. I'm not gonna really get into it. I kind of just did. Uh, it's the first of that series. There's three of them. Four of them. I don't I remember. Think there's three of them. I think it's days, weeks, and months. Yeah. And there's been okay, talk so about like 28... uh, uh, there's been talk about years. Um, being in development, but it's been dude, forever. that would be insane. That would be if they pretty did cool. That. that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd actually want to see that really badly. Um, yeah, twenty eight day, late, days later is the first one of that series. Uh, Killian Murphy is in that. Um, shout out to Blake. 
his lover. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 28, day, 20, 28 Days Later, fantastic. Definitely go check that series out if you're into horror zombie movies. Um, and that's it. Steven, what's your list? All right. So I'm going to start with my honorable mention. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say The Walking Dead, but only season one. Like literally once season one ends, the rest just all kind of, it's just a gradual decline from there. Um, but I think season one as evidenced by, you know, it's place on my list is one of the best, I'd say personally, it's one of the best modern TV shows of all time, at least that specific season. Um, and I'm sad that, you know, the showrunner was forced out and that, you know, the show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sh- yeah, they were, he was completely forced out, like kind of. I wonder, you know what I, we you know what I'm thinking, Like I'm, I mean, obviously I don't really know the details of it, I, but like, if you watch the first season of The Walking Dead, you could see, like, you know, towards the end, like, this could have been a show that could have ended after, like, two or three seasons. Wait. Or even the first season. Wait, you know who the original, like, producer and showrunner was, right? No. Dude, it was Frank Darabont. Who, what does he do? He's the director of Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, The Mist. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he was the original, like, producer, showrunner of season one of The Walking Dead, which is why it was so good. And, you know, he actually has an idea of <laughs> storytelling and, and getting from point A to point Z while simultaneously hitting B through Y all at once. Um, so when he kind of left, it all just, you know, felt to shit. Well, I feel like a lot of storytellers like him, when they start telling a story, they have an end game in mind. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, AMC and didn't, didn't want to end. A- AMC literally was like, no end game, baby. Which, which is like literally the worst possible thing to like... Or the worst for TV though, that's the worst thing for TV. Show. That because you know what you know what show actually had that issue was Lost. Because if you watch the first few couple of seasons of Lost, it's one of the best shows ever. And if you actually like read into how Lost, like you know, because Lost kept going for seasons and seasons, and the showrunners were like, "Bro, we were literally trying to end this shit like on season three. But I think it was ABC or CBS, I forgot who who was what channel it was on. They kept the. Uh, they literally kept insisting and forcing them, no, make another season, no, make another season, make another... Like, they wanted that show to go on for, like, 15 seasons. They're like, bro. So, like, the middle to end seasons of Lost were so garbage because the riders were like, bro, we literally ran out of ideas. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I get you. We're, like, we, we have no ideas for this show. Like, this was supposed to be a three-season show, and we fucking fleshed it out for 10 seasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if um, like, look at Breaking Bad. Um, like, if you want to see a show that, you know, did it right, I'd say Breaking Bad is probably... the at least the number one, you know, example that I can give you, a show that, you know, knew its story, like knew the story it wanted to tell, knew not to drag it out, and to end on a high note. 100%. Breaking Bad is, like, probably the perfect example for that. Um, You can even... Nah, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say Game of Thrones, but... What? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the thing is, the first couple wait, of seasons of Game of Thrones, like... Wait, what are we talking about? Wait, what? I don't even know what we're talking about. What's uh, what's your number five? <laughs> uh, my number five is Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, the original 78 one, like you said. I don't really want to go into it because you pretty much said everything. Classic, revolutionary, um, revolutionized the way we see, you know, not, not just zombie films, but like... Or horror. Like horror and zombies in general, like, and the idea of them. Um, so that alone, it technically should be higher on my list, but... I, I mean, you got a pretty solid list going. Yeah, I like my list, but wait, don't look at my list. Oh my god. Um, 
but I don't know. You have to put up a blocker, like you know how, like when in elementary school, when the teachers would have us put the folders up to make sure we can't see our <laughs> classmates. So you test. can't copy my list and shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, my number five, Dawn of the Dead. Um, my number four is actually Zombieland, the first Zombieland. Mm. I really, really love that movie. I think it does a lot well. I think it really balances um, the setting, you know, the zombie setting, and kind of like this over-the-top comedy that knows like when to be serious and when to have these emotional beats um i think the cast is like really good as you can see (laughs) throughout the years since 2009 since they did it you know jesse eisenberg would go on to be in the social network you have academy award-winning emma stone woody harrelson abigail breslin um you know solid cast just all around enjoyable my number three. I 100% agree with that. My number three is Rec, R-E-C. I don't know. Have you heard of this movie? Yeah, I have heard of it, but I've never seen it. Okay, so. I was actually looking at it on Letterboxd like the other day. Okay, so the Rec I'm talking about is the Spanish version, uh, which is by far the superior one. The English one, uh, I don't remember if it's called R-E-C as well. Uh, is it? I don't I don't know what I don't know what the English version is called, but the Spanish version I think the English version is called is quarantine. You've heard of quarantine, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well the original version is is Rec, which is the Spanish version, which is basically this uh, zombie film that's confined to like one apartment building, and mm-hmm. throughout I think it's like a day or like a night or some shit like that, um, but it's visually. I think all of it is done through, like, obviously, like, a, a recording camera. It's, like, one of those found footage films, kind of like Blair Witch Project. Um, yeah. But I think the movie is genuinely frightening. Um, and I think this is kind of, like, the first example of, like, a found footage zombie film. Um, and especially compared next to Quarantine, it's miles better than the American version. Uh, so if you like zombie films, if you like found footage, I would definitely give Wreck a chance. Uh, if you don't mind sitting through subtitles, or if you speak Spanish and don't need subtitles at all, um, I would definitely recommend Wreck. Um, awesome. My number two, which I really wanted to put at number one, but I can't because of what my number one is, uh, is 28 Days Later. Um, another revolutionary film in the sense of... It being one of like the first major films to be shot digitally, um, and in that it was it's really you know groundbreaking just how they filmed it and the fact that they used this technology, um, I think really you know hammers home the franticness of these fucking Hussein Bolt sprint sprinting zombies. Um, I think because of that you know technology that that you know the directors had. I think it just kind of elevates the movie to the next level. Because if you try to envision like a 28 Days Later shot in film, you can't really get the sense of like frantic energy, you know, throughout the movie. You got what I'm saying? Yeah. Like 100%. if you watch it, you can't really get all, you know, the quick uh, up and down stairs action shots. You can't get the quick zipping through, uh, you know, street corners and all that shit. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard movie to like, or it's a different movie like the way it was shot and everything. And, and I actually really, really noticed it when I was putting together um 
So if you don't follow us on Instagram, go ahead and do that right now at Inside the Backlot. We do a uh, Spooktober thing every day of the month of October where we post a clip from one of our favorite uh, scary movies. Um, all throughout the month of October, we've been doing it. So we did one for 28 days later, and I had to cut a one-minute video of um, one of the scenes in the film. And the way it was shot with the quick cuts, and and and, and you know what I mean? Like the way they're – like. The cinematography and everything, bro. It was so hard for me to edit that that clip because I have to do a lot of short edits to move everything around. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when I was editing, when I'm editing these uh, clips for the for the social media, and uh, I really, really noticed it. Like when I was doing that, you know what I mean? So I can have a I have like a, a more of an appreciation for the movie now. Like after kind of you know having more of a visual realization. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Um, and I think it's, it's not scary, but I think a lot of its ideas are really scary. You get me? Like the sense of like, Hey, what if zombies all like, don't just walk at like a brisk pace. They actually like no, sprint. No, they fucking charge <laughs> at you. <laughs> yeah. Sprint, which I think World War Z kind of like took that idea, but took it to like a whole nother no, level. No, they like, went to, like, the, they yeah, yeah, yeah those zombies like are on crack. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, they're like on fucking PCP crack and all that shit, like <laughs> climbing over walls, bath and salts and shit. So like, actually, I'm pretty sure like Twenty Eight Days Later is like a primary inspiration for World War Z. Now that I think about it, yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's a great movie. Um, yeah, so one hundred percent. In another world, I could see this being my number one, but I can't put it over my number current number one, Shaun of the Dead. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think this is one of the best. I don't want to say satires because it's not really a satire, but one of the best dual genre films, like explicitly like I'm not talking about like a drama that's, you know, has funny moments. This is like as much of a comedy as it is a zombie film. And I'm a huge fan of the Coronado trilogy, um, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. I think Shaun of the Dead is just barely the second best one. I have to put Hot Fuzz over it just because that one is 100% just a satire of, you know, like the police, uh, buddy cop genre. Yeah. But I just think Shaun of the Dead is is just so fucking smart. Um, it's genuinely funny. I think the cinematography is wonderful, especially that uh, opening. Well, not opening, but that one shot of Shaun as he's walking through this town and he doesn't realize that everyone are zombies and there's a bunch of really subtle hints like in the visuals that kind of like say you know or refers explicitly to zombies um i think the action is surprisingly like <laughs> pretty well done there's a lot of good you know uh physical action going on in it um I, I just really love this movie <laughs> and it, like it has to be my number one it, one of my favorite i, I never um i remember like watching it here and there like like sporadically when it was i think it was on tv like on some channel you know a couple of years ago um i never actually like sat down and watched it from start to finish so i i should definitely do that because i've I, I liked what i saw but i've always heard good things it's it's like a different type of zombie movie it's which not I can long appreciate. it's like it's like a little over an hour and a half yeah, I'll definitely check that out. It, it sounds really interesting. It is. It's, it, um, it so with that being said on our top five, you did your honorable mention, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was walking dead. Yeah. Um, season so one. Yeah, with that being said on our top five, yeah, just season one. Just season one. 
Uh, that's our top five for our top five for our favorite zombie movie <laughs> shows. We're ranking our top five top fives that we've done before. <laughs> we should honestly do that one episode, like our hundredth episode or something. Our top five top fives. Um, so with that out of the way, let's dive into a little bit of Zombie Land Two. All right, so Zombie Land Two Double Tap, or it's really just Zombie Land Double Tap. There's no like two in it. Uh, oh, okay. takes place they don't really say how like far after um the Dude, they did not say it in the movie because I could have sworn I saw something say like it was like a couple years later I don't think like they two expli- years, or ten years later I don't think they I don't remember if they explicitly say it like in the beginning of the movie but there are like it's a, ten years well yeah like I'm saying like there are a lot of hints that it's ten years because you know it's been ten real life years since Zombieland 1 came out in 2009 yeah so um Tallahassee played by Woody Harrelson Columbus, played by Jesse Eisenberg, Wichita, played by Emma Stone, and Little Rock, played by Abigail Breslin, have all kind of, you know, become a little family, like, as well as they could, you know, given, you know, the the circumstances and the situation that they're in. You know, they all have their little, you know, cliches, like, you know, Woody Harrelson is kind of like, you know, the kind of the father figure of the group who's like, you know, really out there, kind of like, like politically incorrect like he's like the macho machismo um male figure of the group uh columbus and wichita are you know are an established couple already in this film um and little rock is you know the young rebellious one that she doesn't really like feel like she fits in with the group anymore she's kind of tired of tallahassee you know watching you know hovering over her like a dad and all that shit um so that right there just kind of shows you where we are in this group dynamic um early on in the film uh wichita and little rock leave the group um for reasons that i'm not gonna say because it is a spoiler uh wichita and little rock leave for i think a couple months they say in the movie until wichita comes back and tells tallahassee and columbus that little rock ran off with some hippie pretty much and um they're looking for this place called, oh my god, I don't remember what it's called. But they're looking for like this specific, oh, Babylon. They're looking for this place called Babylon, um, which eventually is revealed to be this, you know, <laughs> like anti-gun, like a zone, <laughs> like of like a lot of younger people, like millennials and like Gen Z and all that shit, like no guns allowed. Yeah. Um, and that's where they're headed. So Tallahassee, Columbus, and Wichita are trying to find Little Rock throughout the movie. This is one of those comedy sequels that comes out like years and years after the original movie and is still good. Like it's, it's rare in that sense. Like the original came out in 2009. This one's coming out 10 years later. And this one is, in my opinion, slightly worse than the first movie. Like it's kind of like and the first one's fantastic. Yeah, the first one is really good. People. This movie, Zombieland Two, is a good movie. It's perfectly enjoyable. Uh, the comedy, it's not like dumb comedy. Some of the jokes are are like pretty smartly written. Um, there's a lot of good back and forth between a lot of the characters. Um, it's kind of like the anti Zoolander, whereas like <laughs> Zoolander is, in my honest opinion. In my very, very honest opinion, I'm coming out and publicly saying that I believe the original Zoolander is one of the best comedies ever. Um, 
and like it's not a smart movie by any means it's just, but it's the perfect amount of stupid and like earnestness whereas Zoolander 2 is just dumb and like you could tell like it didn't really have like the heart that the first movie had um I didn't get that vibe from this movie this was literally picks up where Zombieland 1 left off like they could have made this like a year after and besides like you know the way that the actors look obviously it's been 10 years so they've grown like in the first movie Abigail Breslin is like literally a little girl and in this one you know she's a, a fully grown woman um yeah so in that sense like it it really feels like a true sequel um i think the addition of Zoe Dutch as you know <laughs> your stereotypical ditzy dumb blonde girl what actually really worked out for this movie and that was one of my like main concerns I was like oh god we have like one of those characters in the movie she's gonna be like this dumb you know blonde who's just kind of more annoying than funny um and that's really not the case I don't want to say why because I'm trying to again I'm trying to keep this as spoiler free as possible but I think she's actually pretty refreshing and she adds a lot to like the group dynamic and like the whole like family thing that this film is like trying to go for I think (laughs) the addition of Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch as literally Tallahassee and Columbus's like mirror image. Like you, you saw you saw the trailers, right? Yeah. You know how like how Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson run into those two who are like literally like them? Yeah. Okay. I think that was actually really funny. And there's like this whole scene between Thomas Middleditch's character and Jesse Eisenberg's like, you know how Jesse Eisenberg has, like, the rules that, like, you need to abide by in Zombieland? Yeah. Okay, Thomas Middleditch has commandments. You get where I'm going with this? Yeah, that's pretty Yeah, funny. so they have, like, a lot of, like, similar back and forth um, that I think was, you know, again, it was pretty, like, it's a refreshing dynamic. Um, have, uh, Rosario Dawson is in this film. I think she's, you know, kicks some ass in this movie. She's a, another really interesting character that they bring in. Does a good job of balancing all of these characters in a way that feels satisfying. Like uh, besides Abigail Breslin, that she's barely in this movie, or like she's not in it as much as the other main cast members. Um, I think everyone, you know, has their own sort of like little development going on. And I think more than everything else is that you could just tell that these people are just having fun. And like yeah. when you see them having fun, like you have fun watching it. It's interesting. Yeah. And the film also has like a lot of these meta jokes, surprisingly. Like there's one point in the movie where um Well, didn't the first one have a lot of meta jokes? Okay, but like okay, like in this movie, like um Woody Harrelson <clears throat> says time to nut up or shut up. And then someone's like, Oh, that phrase is so two thousand and nine. And then like <laughs> like I kinda chuckled and I'm like, Okay, yeah, I get it. Like it's not like it's has kind of like those little meta jokes that aren't dumb. Yeah. Um and it's just funny, and it's really easy to get those kind of jokes like and make them dumb. You know what I mean, I, 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 I think if you're a fan of Zombieland, um, and you're a fan of like zombie movies and comedies in general, I think you should watch this movie, because uh, I think you'll have a good time with it. I think I gave it like a three out of five. I um, <clears throat> I'm I like the first movie. I haven't seen it in years. Um, I did like the first one a lot, and I thought. Uh, Ruben Fleischer is that his name? Flesher. I think it's Flesher. Um, the director, Ruben right? Flesher. Yeah, I, I, he did the first one. I think the first one was his first film ever, 
and I was like, you know, super excited like for this guy's career. And then he went and made um, Gangster Squad. I don't know if you saw that movie with uh, like Josh Brolin and Ryan Gosling and shit. I I did not like that movie at all. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, one bad movie, whatever. And then he went and made Venom, and I hate Venom? Venom. Yes. Whoa. Yeah, he made Venom, and I was I hate that movie. I think it's so bad. <laughs> I hate that movie too. It's so bad, and I'm like disappointed because I'm like, bro, like this guy's like just went downhill. But I mean, I'm I've been hearing some good things about Zombieland too, so I definitely want to go check that out because it's fun. It, it's, it's a fun movie. Yeah, I'm just hoping that it, it revives his you know filmography a little bit because it's starting to go down a little. You know, like <laughs> Gangster Squad and Venom, I just don't think are good movies. He did another movie, Thirty, 30 minutes, minutes or Less, or but less, I never yeah. saw that. Yeah, I never saw that one. Either. Um. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's pretty good. So I'm definitely going to check that out actually one of these days. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun movie. <clears throat> okay, so with Zombieland out of the way, let's get into the recently added um, on Netflix film starring every 90s and 2000s. I would say every 90s kid's like favorite actor ever, Eddie Murphy. Um, Dolomite is my name. So, what did you think of it, Steven? Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to go right off the bat and say, personally, I'm a sucker for movies about movies. Okay? I love La La Land. It's one of my favorite films of all time, as it is Singing in the Rain. Um, uh, the 2017 documentary uh, at the drive-in. I believe that's the name about the Mahoney Drive-In Theater in Philadelphia. It's another one of my favorite films of all time. What about, would you include um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in that? Yes, absolutely. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is another one of those. Um, so I love those types of films. However, I did not know anything about Dolomite and Rudy Ray Moore before watching this film. All I knew was that Eddie Murphy was in this and that this was kind of sparking his comeback. Because Eddie Murphy really hasn't done anything in the last seven years. Hold on, I want to get something out of the way. Like, I I feel like a lot of people have this this mindset, uh, like toward Eddie Murphy, thinking that he's just a comedian. Like, yes, he is ridiculously funny, but he can act, and he can act really good, like or really well. <laughs> I was about to roast your ass. <laughs> I know. I, I I had to catch myself right there. I had to catch myself. <laughs> but um, no. But Eddie Murphy's actually a fantastic actor, and I feel like I feel like a lot of people don't give him the credit that he deserves. I agree. I don't know how he is in this. I'm, I'm actually going to check it out, but I, I'm just, I just kind of want to get that out there because Eddie Murphy is the shit. All right. So uh, I'm going to get into my review because I've been dying to talk about this movie. All right. So let me start by saying, one, I don't think Netflix produces good films um, with the exception of, of Beast of No Nation, which I think came out in 2014 or 2015. Um, and Oakja, I could kind of see why people would like Oakja. Personally, I wasn't too crazy about it. I don't think Netflix produces good films. I do think this year it starts to change. Um, you know, where you have The Irishman coming out and you have Marriage Story, which is getting huge Oscar buzz at the moment. So I was a little skeptical about this movie. Going into it? Yeah, I was a little skeptical skeptical about it. But I saw it, you know, like off a whim, off a, off a whim. You know, I was just like scrolling through Netflix and I saw this. I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Eddie Murphy 
is back. That's awesome. I just want to say that Eddie Murphy just completely transforms into this character. He is transcendent. I I personally think Eddie Murphy should be in consideration for best actor. I know he won't mm. I know he won't get a nomination. Um but just because the competition is so stiff, but if this was this movie had come out last year, I think Eddie Murphy gets a nomination. Well, what do you okay? How many how many actors do they usually nominate? Five, six? It's like five or six. But Adam Driver right now is a front is the front runner to win. You Adam Driver in what Marriage Story? Oh, okay. Obviously, Joaquin. You have Joaquin Phoenix, Leo DiCaprio, Antonio Banderas is getting a lot of buzz. And what about maybe Robert Pattinson or Willem Dafoe um, in the White House? Oh, Robert Pattinson is kind of getting some buzz. Um, and there's uh, Taron Egerton is in contention. Um, mm. But I think Eddie Murphy needs to be in that conversation. He delivers such a strong performance while balancing the co- like the comedy of Rudy Ray Moore, who is obviously a comedian. He was kind of like the first really vulgar and uh, abrasive comedian. Um, he's also kind of... I don't want to say invented rap, but he's looked on as like the godfather of rap because his stand-up style um, was through rhyming. Mm. Um, so just cool background information on Rudy Ray Moore because I didn't know that coming into this film. Um, but I think he gives such a strong performance balancing, you know, th- the funny aspects of this character and, you know, the underlying commitment and the drive that he had to, you know achieve his dreams and be what he wanted to be. So some backstory on Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite, at least in this film. Uh, Dolomite, or uh, Rudy works at this, you know, record store and he has dreams of, you know, just being famous and kind of as like a big fuck you to his father who told him that he, he wasn't going to be shit when he grew up. And that's kind of like Rudy's driving force throughout the movie is this memory that he has of his father and him being shit on constantly kind of drives him to reach his dreams and aspirations. So, you know, he tries um, doing an R&B record, which doesn't work out. Um, he tries, you know, little bits of stand-up, and that doesn't work out. He tries dancing, and that doesn't work out. Um, until he encounters this homeless man who tells him a story of this folk legend, Dolomite. And that kind of inspires Rudy to take this character and make it his own and incorporate his own kind of stand-up routine to it through this character. And Dolomite is kind of like, is like this pimpish character. Um, and that takes off. You know, he becomes famous um, amongst the black community, um, you know, where he lives and he goes on tour. He signs this deal, he goes on tour. Um, and people like him, you know. Um, so eventually him and his buddies go to the movies to watch this really funny movie. Um, And when they get there, like the film is like all, you know, white people. And like to them, like to Rudy and, you know, his friends, the movie's just not funny. Like they don't find it funny and they're like, damn, this is pretty whack. And then that's when Rudy gets his idea of, hey, why why don't I take this character of Dolomite and put him everywhere at once? You know, instead of me touring and being in one city at a time, why can't people watch Dolomite everywhere else? So he gets the idea to shoot a film. 
However, he has no idea how to make a film. And he says that. But he's eager. He's committed to it. And he really wants to do it. So he gets his friends. And they all kind of help him. They all have their roles. Um, he goes to... Um, he goes to see... Well, he doesn't... Yeah, he goes to see Keegan-Michael Key's character, Jerry Jones, who is a playwright, and he helps write the story. And then he eventually finds actor uh, Derville Martin, who's played by Wesley Snipes, to kind of, like, direct the movie. And, you know, from there, they make the movie, and, you know, that's where the meat of the movie is. Uh, This movie, like... Because, obviously, Eddie Murphy's comedy and, and humor is a strong, like... That's that's what he's known yeah, for. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Is 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 he funny at all in this? Yeah, this movie is hilarious. <laughs> like, it, but like it's it's like a, it's like a it's like a serious funny movie. Like it, I'm assuming it's a, it's more it's a comedy that knows when to take its serious moments serious. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but it's very much a comedy. Um, the movie is super super super, like just has this infectious fun to it. Like just the moment the movie starts, you you're kind of get this vibe that this movie's going for. It's very rhythmic. There's a lot of music in it. Um, uh, there's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of hope. Um, it's a very uplifting movie. And Rudy Ray himself is a very uplifting character. Um, and the movie portrays him as a very you know res- like like a resourceful character and like as like this titan. Or not this titan, because that's not really how the film portrays him. But, like, just a character who has these ideas. Who they may may not always be the best ideas, but he manages to make them work. And, yeah. like, it's very uplifting without, you know, jerking itself off. Kind of like Bohemian Rhapsody does. Yeah. And it just has a ton of heart. Like, you could tell that everyone, you know, involved in this really, really, really cared. Um, That's awesome to hear. It's, it was kind of, like, refreshing in a way. Um, it's not like a typical biopic, uh, where like, it doesn't really go into like a lot of the cliches and a lot of the tropes, like, you know, like the main character who is derailed by drugs and alcohol and fame, like in Rocket Man, or someone who distances himself from friends and family, like Bohemian Rhapsody does. Instead, this just takes the story of Rudy Ray, um, and it tells a story of a man who had these dreams and aspirations and defied all odds to reach these goals. And yeah, he, a lot of it is, you know, uplifting, you know, shit, but he does come across obstacles and those obstacles do actually stick. It's not like Bohemian Rhapsody where like the group, like there's this one scene of Bohemian Rhapsody where the group is literally fighting in the <laughs> in the recording studio and <laughs> and then Brian May just starts playing, or it wasn't Brian May, but the bassist starts playing um, like oh. the bass line to another one bites the dust and they all just kind of stop yes. and stare at him and start like drinking each other yeah. off. And it's like, yeah. it's like, bro, what? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, there's none of that in this movie. Like, Rudy Ray, he knows that he can't do everything, so he reaches out to people to help him. Um, the cast of this film is ins- is like is insanely good. You have Eddie Murphy, you have Keegan Michael Key, Mike uh, Mike Epps is in this, uh, Craig Robinson is in this. But I think, besides Eddie Murphy. And maybe even compared to Eddie Murphy, I think the standout performance, if this is Eddie Murphy's comeback, I think this is also Wesley Snipes' comeback. Mm. Because Wesley Snipes, 
as the Irville Robinson was just so it was just so juicy he was almost kind of like he was like purring like throughout the film wow. if that if that makes sense I think if Eddie Murphy needs to be in consideration for best actor I think Wesley Snipes needs to be in consideration for best supporting actor damn I legitimately forgot I was watching Wesley Snipes half the time that's actually amazing like he Wesley Snipes is awesome he's not uh, in it as much as as Eddie Murphy is but he was definitely you know one of the more you know prominent supporting characters um i think the movie just has an awesome message of you know not giving up on your dreams not taking no for an answer and you know when you're presented with these hardships to take your destiny like into your own hands um i don't think it's perfect it's not groundbreaking like it's not this biopic that's going to reinvent the way you know biopics are are told um but i think the film does a great job of doing what it sets out to do and if I'm being honest, I th- there's like a 99% chance this movie is in my top 10 of the year, at the end of the year. Jeez. I love, love, love this movie. If you like Eddie Murphy, go watch Dolomite is my name. Because I think this is the beginning of Eddie Murphy's comeback. That's awesome. I'm actually going to check this out like as soon as we get off. Yeah, it's... Don't, no, don't watch it when, when, when we finish this because you'll probably be like tired. Watch this movie when you like actually have time to like really sit down and enjoy it because it's it's really good. Like literally from the very beginning of the film, like Eddie Murphy's trying to like get his record played, and Snoop Dogg is like the the MC, and he's trying to get hmm. his record played on the radio. And Snoop Dogg's like, "Bro, I can't play this shit. Like, I'm playing Marvin Gaye. Like, this is what the people wants." And then like Eddie Murphy's like, "Man, Marvin Gaye ain't shit," and then he just like walks away, and like just yeah. his delivery. I was like, I, I thought to myself, I was like, I'm going to love this fucking movie. Damn, I'm actually, I need to check this out. It actually sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's, and I, I'm a big Eddie Murphy fan, so. You'll, you'll like this movie. Eddie Murphy is awesome in this movie. So, okay, so what would you rate it out of five? I think I gave it a four and a half out of five. 4.5 out of five. That's a really high score. Yeah. You know, it's a nine out of ten. Um, uh, more, okay. more towards like an 8.5 out of ten. Okay. Okay. I mean, I still that's still really, really it's, good. Yeah, I, I just um, can't give it like a perfect score, obviously, because it's nothing groundbreaking. It's not but a it, but it movie. doesn't try to be groundbreaking. Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually definitely need to check that yeah. out because that actually yeah. sounds yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Dolomite is my name. It's on Netflix. You, if you have Netflix, you like you can literally just watch no, it. No, no. Everybody has Netflix. Yeah, you like, literally Netflix. just watch it at home. You don't have to drive anywhere. Just sit down and watch it. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. If you're listening to this, check it out because I'm actually super interested in in uh, watching it now after hearing that review. Um, okay, so now on to our last film that we're going to be reviewing. This is a movie that Stephen and I have been uh, super, you know, excited for and you know anticipating for a very long time. Um, this is going to be our review of The Lighthouse. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? Why just spill your beans?
John. Steven. Why'd you spill your beans? <laughs> you know what's so funny is like when they released that trailer, like Steven and I would literally quote that line like randomly. <laughs> we would just text each and, other, like, why'd you spill your ge- your beans? And then John? we watch the movie and we're still saying it. Like it's just such a fantastic line. <laughs> that one and what? Yeah, it's so good. But then like when I say um, that, like no one really like plays along with me. It's like, so John, yeah. why don't you play with me? No. Play I, with I don't me, John. To. Play with me. But I like your cooking. <laughs> it's not like that, bro. <laughs> I know. I, I'm not Robert Pattinson, bro. <laughs> um, no, you kind of look like him. You have like his, his damn, cheekbones bro. and shit. <laughs> you think I could play Batman? <laughs> you could probably play like... Robin. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways. um. No, so... Not to get into spoilers right off the bat, um, I, I kind of want to just give my two cents in the movie. I really enjoyed it, and I'm not even um, I never saw the witch that uh, Robert Eggers is that his name? Yeah, Robert Eggers. I never saw I never saw the witch that Robert Eggers uh film or directed. Um, I've always heard, I've always heard amazing things. There's like one person I think that I've talked to about that movie that didn't like it. I forgot who it was, but um, actually I, th- I think it was your girlfriend. Yeah. Did she, she hate this movie or the yeah, witch? She, not yeah, Lighthouse, she, the witch. she didn't like the witch at all. Yeah, so that's the only person I know that's seen The Witch that didn't like it, but everybody else I know that has seen Bro, that the, movie. Bro, the day that, that I saw The Witch with her, <laughs> we're actually like going to watch Zombieland, um, uh, Zoolander 2. <laughs> we're going to watch Zoolander 2, and we got there, and then like I, like I turned to the right, and I saw a poster for The Witch, and I was like, hey, this looks pretty cool. And I told her, I was like, hey, let's watch this movie, and she was like, uh, okay. So then <laughs> we watched it, she was so mad. But I was so happy because <laughs> The Witch is one of my favorite movies of all time. That's amazing. I actually, uh, I need to get on that. I need to watch that movie because it, it actually sounds really good. And Robert Eggers, after watch watching it with subtitles, like really has, you know, watch it with subtitles. I yeah, will. if you think this, if you think they were hard to stand in this film, The Witch is like a hundred times worse. Because okay. it's written, okay, it's I'll written in old English, so it's like literally how they would speak back then. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um. So yeah, so the lighthouse is like, it's so different, man. Like, movies really are not made. Bro, it's like a like Zack Snyder anymore. movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally in black and white, bro. If you like, if you jack off to, to the Snyder cut shit, you'll love this movie. Um, no, nah, but uh, <laughs> it's gonna get people so many people mad. Um, no, nah, but the lighthouse really is a great film and i really really truly think that willem dafoe and robert pattinson acted their asses off in this movie and it's like their characters aren't even you know the deepest you know written characters you get what i'm saying like there's not a lot of depth to it it's just like it's not it's it's a character study yeah exactly it's just like hey these are these two characters like just look at them as they just turn to shit Exactly, and and if you don't really know anything about the movie, it's it's obviously the movie takes place like in the eight late eighteen hundreds. It's I like it's say. in the late nineteenth century. So, okay, yeah. So it's they uh it's these two guys they they're lighthouse keepers or whatever. They are stuck on a they're stuck you know working on the lighthouse for I think they were assigned to do it for four weeks or something. And I get I mean we don't really know if they stay on for uh, the, the the light or stay on you know that island for longer which i'm assuming they did i mean i i guess that might be up for you know for us to figure there's out there's definitely a lot um, of room for interpretation 
Exactly. Yeah. Um. So it's just too. It literally the movie is literally just like like he said like a character study. It's like you're watching two guys go insane. Yeah. And literally. <laughs> the, the what the movie I think does really well is is like it makes you feel claustrophobic like like when i can't even explain it bro like it's just the way it's shot and so and um i know in an earlier in an earlier podcast episode i think it was the d23 episode although i could be not the d23 i'm sorry the comic-con episode it was one of those early ones that we did together um i said that the reason that the film looks like that is because it was actually shot on old cameras um, and the aspect ratio uh, was done so intentionally for the reason exactly what you said, to make viewers feel claustrophobic and to really give this sense that we're watching like this older film. Um, and it sort of kind of helps, you know, with the whole like madness that it's kind of portraying. If you were to see this... Fi- yeah, it like sets the tone. Yeah, if you were to see this film in like black and in, in like normal colors, it's a completely different movie. Yeah, 100% agree with that. It it really feels like a movie that like came out, you know, 70 years ago. <laughs> like it's just I don't know, it's really well done and 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 like I said, Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe, they're the only two actors in this movie. Like or unless you want to count, you know, spoilers. The, spoiler alert, uh the mermaid or whatever. Um or even the uh what's it called? No, it's literally just them. No, isn't there one more no. uh character that they show? No. I, you, I, I know what you're thinking of, but it's not. Uh, we'll talk about that in the spoilers, but I know what you're talking about. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, I guess you want if you want to be technical, there's only three actors in this movie, but technically it's only two. Um, but, yeah, it's just fantastic. Like, I walked out, like, not giddy, but I was just super, like, I walked out, like, happy. Like, like I was like, that was a fantastic movie. I really enjoyed that. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I haven't really seen a movie like that in, like, a long time. So that was also, like, you know. I was really, I was really excited for it. And I, it, it, it exceeded my expectations. I think. Um, I actually gave the movie a five out of five, which I know we don't really give our review or our ratings, you know, in the beginning of a review. But I just kind of want to let that be known because I really, really thought this movie was really fucking good. Um, and it's, 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 it's classified as, as a horror movie, but it's not really scary. Not in the sense like they don't give you like they don't have cheap thrills. They don't give you. It's they not, don't, like, it's not, not a traditional to... horror. It's definitely more of like a psychological. Horror yeah, like film. it's it's if anything, it's it's making you like terrified of what these guys might become after like staying in this uh, lighthouse for you know so many weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not gonna it's not gonna jump scare like have a stupid jump scare if someone drops you know a piece of their fucking plate on the floor. It makes you like you know what I mean? Like it's not gonna like you jump think, scare you like, like you that. Think, There's no jump scares. The, I think the, the horror comes from. Okay, like to kind of like go back to that, like what you're saying, that example. I think the horror comes from like you think that they're gonna like you're gonna get a jump scare of like a plate dropping on the floor and then it never happens. That's yeah, kind of like exactly. The fear. So you're kind of like, yeah, and you're. I feel like that also like it kind of helps like when you're watching this film because it kind of leaves you like on the edge of your seat the entire time where you're like, you know, you're just like, like getting ready to, for something to happen. It's and it really like nothing, nothing like that happens, but it in a good way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. It's just I don't know, man. The movie's just fantastic. Right? I actually I want to go watch it again, but unfortunately, it's not being shown uh, in any movie theater near us, or one movie theater near us. But it's not AMC, and we we are a listers, so we can't support that. <laughs> Damn, this guy has um, to flex and shit. 
<laughs> yeah, damn, you know, like bro, I'm, a, I'm an A-lister, so when, when I talk about movies, you you listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, but the movie's uh, movie's really good. Um, if you are have if you have any interest in seeing it after watching the trailers and all that stuff, I definitely recommend go watching it. All right, you done? No, actually. So, anyways. <laughs> All right, so um, I pretty much agree with almost everything that that John said about this film. I think almost. I think this is just one of those special movies that comes around like once a year. Um, I think it's in my top ten, like top three movies of the year. This is my top one movie of the year right now. <laughs> if I'd have honest. to like really sit down and think about it, but it's it's up there. Like this is legitimately my my number one right now at the moment. It's actually it's probably like one of my favorite movies ever. Like I don't know yet if I'd put it in my top ten. I still need to digest this. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a creative standpoint, and all that stuff, like it's it's definitely up there. Like I I really really like really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that again, like like I was saying, this is one of those like special movements that uh, movies that only comes around once a year, um, and I just think that this this is like filmmaking, like at its finest. I think the creativity <laughs> um, that went. In- what I'm thinking about is my bad, not to cut you off, but it's alright. It's alright. Right, thinking- you already did. Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about how like Martin Scorsese and all of them are, are complaining about Marvel movies and like the art of filmmaking isn't there. Like I feel like they definitely need to go watch this movie. Yeah, right? Because the art of filmmaking is actually <laughs> still here. Like they need to just go like chill, just grab like a beer or something and just sit and watch this and then But uh yeah, what I was saying. Um What were you saying? Uh I think before I, I, I politely. Oh my god, cut stop you off. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um you're driving me crazier than fucking Robert Pattinson in this movie. <laughs> Why just spill your beans? Um, I think this movie has like this sense of like underlying dread, a lot like the the witch has. Um, whereas again, like you think something is gonna happen, or more well, you know something is gonna happen, you just don't know like when or like how we're going to get to that point. Uh, I think does does the witch like have any jump scares like that or is this very similar to like this movie where it's just like a different type of scary? It's a different type of scary. Um, there is one jump scare in the movie, but it's not really like a jump scare. It's just that something unexpected happens. Um, but yeah. I think personally, the scariest moment of the witch is probably one of the quietest scenes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, is it the scene that we posted for Spooktober? Yes, it's that one. Uh, which okay. I don't want to. So, I don't, I don't want to say on the podcast because it's a little. It's a huge spoiler. I got you. I actually, I honestly think that might be the movie I might, I, I might watch tonight. Don't, um, don't, 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 don't. This guy. What, what do you want me to watch tonight, bro? I mean, you, if you're gonna watch The Witch, you have to pay attention. You're not gonna pay attention if you watch I'm it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay attention, bro. All right. Well, I'm expecting a. Full, this guy wants me to like watch cartoons. Before I, I go I'm to expecting sleep. a full report <laughs> of The Witch when you finish a full review written in the words of John Cagley. Well, the only reason why I want to watch it, bro, is because I'm like really thinking about. it. I'm like, dude, like, if you could make a horror movie and not like give us corny jump scares, like I have mad respect for you. Like that's it's not easy to do that, dude. You know what I mean, like. And, and this guy like like the lighthouse like oh wait hold on Robert Eggers just, just texted me oh shit he said thank you for the kind words John dude tell him tell him I said that's what's up I, I guess he's he's listening in on my on my stream right now on Twitch yeah yeah he, he is 
He says that his his Yo, thing isn't Robert. working, so he can't really like talk and chat and shit. But he says he appreciates gotcha, the kind gotcha. words. Yo, we love you. Just Robert. let him know that if he has a uh, Amazon Prime, he can subscribe for free with Twitch oh Prime. Oh my god, shut up! <laughs> Use code John Kegley in the Adam Shop. <laughs> no, John Keg, John Keg. Oh, whatever, same shit. Um, what was I saying again before we started talking about your fucking stream and shit? You're talking about Robert Egger and the way he directed it. Oh, okay, and... yeah. So I think while the direction is is inspired, it's wonderful. I think the cinematography is is outstanding. Um. I think the true strength of this movie is the performance from the two, uh, I was going to say lead actors, but the two like only actors in this movie, <laughs> um, Willem Dafoe as Thomas Wake and Robert Pattinson as uh, Winslow. Um, you could just feel like Robert Pattinson slowly go insane. Because if I had Willem Dafoe just spend two minutes <laughs> screaming like curse words at me and shit... Uh, after I told him I didn't like his cooking, I would probably go crazy too. One hundred percent. I remember when we, because uh, Stephen and I actually watched this movie together. Um, when we both walked out of this movie, I think we both said, uh, like, I think I had said something like Willem Dafoe needs to win Best Actor, um, like in the Oscars, and then I was like, well, hold on, because you could throw Robert Pattinson in there too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think I think Willem Dafoe anything, is definitely going to be put in supporting actor though and i wouldn't be i, hope so, I, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't win i honestly bro like and and, and it's like you kind of like you said it and i i was like at first i was like mm, i have to think about that but after like you know really like digesting this movie like i would actually like prefer one of them uh pattinson or defoe winning the award over joaquin phoenix and i i, I mean you and i have we see joker very differently i, I really love the movie and, and thought his performance was awesome but um damn bro they just did so good in this movie yeah they they were they were amazing um i don't like if they won if they won an oscar for it i'd be super stoked oh yeah i'd be super happy especially seeing like a movie like this get recognition um i think as of right now you know according to the films that we've seen so far this year um i think eggers should win best director and i think this film should win best cinematography absolutely 100% um, yeah, I 100 And I think agree. Defoe and Pattinson are both. I don't know if I could agree with Pattinson as of right now winning Best Actor, and I think Defoe. I I can't see how any other actor can beat Defoe this year. I think this is oh, Defoe is an amazing actor, and I think this is the best performance Willem Defoe has ever given. Yeah, Especially, unfortunately, he's he's being put up against Joker, and I think Willem Defoe is going to be supporting actor. I think Pattinson will be playing against you could, Joker. It's like it's crazy though, because you could literally give them to both. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Robert Pattinson is very clearly the this film's main character. I think with the way the movie ends, and 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 you know what I mean, like the last couple of minutes, like I think it that just gives him the slight edge as the main character of the film. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, uh, there was this Reddit comment that <laughs> that I like I took note of that says <laughs> like about the movie. It's the best description of a shift that's gone on for too damn long, and I think that's a pretty apt comparison. Like that's I feel, I feel true. like Robert Pattinson when I work like a normal shift at work. I feel like Robert Pattinson at the end of this movie. I just want to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So with that, you know, us giving our quick review of it, I, uh, you want to dive into a little bit of spoiler? Yeah, because material? I think I think you need to talk about this film and spoilers. So. 
Um, that was our spoiler-free review of The Lighthouse, if you haven't seen it. And you like slow burn uh, psychological horrors, I highly, highly recommend this film. Personally, I think it's the best film of the year so far. Um, and it'll most likely finish in my top five, depending, obviously, on how the rest of the year plays out. Um, if you're not really into, like, s- slowish movies or, you know, if you don't really get scared by that kind of stuff, um, but you appreciate, you know, the technical aspects of filmmaking, I, I say go watch it. Uh, but this is kind of a difficult Honestly, movie like, to I'm recommend a- because I wouldn't recommend this movie to, ca- to casual moviegoers. Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, there's a bunch of people I, I, I can just, like, think of at the top of my head that don't really watch movies like that that would not like this movie at all. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, But, but what I want to kind of, like, bring up to you real quick is, like, like I'm not a, a horror fan at all um, unless the story is just really well done. And when I when I say that, I, like, the reason why I'm not a horror fan is, like, I'm not a fan of cheap thrills. You get it, bro. You're a scaredy cat. So... <laughs> you can just say it bro i'm not no a fan of a, no so i'm trying to say it. i'm trying to like make a point though like like i'm not a fan of cheap thrills in movies you know what i'm saying like and this movie does not do that so if you want to give it the chance like if, if you're if you're on the edge about it because you're not a scary or horror fan like that i would definitely say give it give this movie the chance because it's 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 so different and and so well done yeah i agree um so with all that let's get into some spoilers i can't believe that you know Edward Cullen from Twilight woke up and this was all a dream. Bro, I didn't expect for him and Taylor Lautner's character to actually be like in a relationship. Um, I think this was a really good or like a really like daring, you know, risk and step forward for the Twilight films to make, but I think it really paid off. Yeah, and then for them to cross over with uh with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man series with Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin, bro. Like, I actually, that's actually I actually insane. didn't get that, though, because I don't know. I, I just don't think that they set that up, like, well enough. Because, like, I don't know. It felt re- pretty weird when Aunt May <laughs> killed uh, Taylor Lautner's character. <laughs> like, she literally... <laughs> Where are we going with this? <laughs> I don't, We're, I don't like, know writing our own movie in the podcast. I like, um, I like that. We should, we should do that more often. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, one scene that actually uh, stands out to me is the uh, well. First of all, the whole thing with the seagulls, and um, when Robert Pattinson's character and is talking to Willem Dafoe, and he like pretty much asks, he like asks him like, you know, like what's up with the seagulls, bro? Like whatever. Yeah, he li- he literally like, says it just like that. He goes up to him, he's like, "Yo, what's up with these seagulls, bro?" <laughs> 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 like annoying and um, shit. <laughs> yeah like because if, if you watch the movie like the seagulls one are like fucking screeching loud as fuck on top of the lighthouse like the uh the the lighthouse uh um horn or whatever being blown every couple of seconds like so you have seagulls and horns being blown your fucking eardrums are like popping from this movie but um but uh like the seagulls are, are like right off the bat you can just tell like these seagulls are fucking annoying and um so he pretty much like asked him like what's up with the seagulls bro and then i think he said something like the the souls of the seamen's uh are like stuck in the seagull something like that right yeah so his uh reasoning or like his like the mythology like the uh, sailor mythology that um william defoe's character like so strongly believes in is that uh when sailors die at sea they become seagulls so that's why it's like looked down upon 
like to kill seagulls because it's like it's yeah like and i think he says sailor. something too that and I, yeah i think he says something too like it's a curse to kill them or you'll be cursed if you kill them oh yeah basically if you kill when you're fucked, like basically yeah so there's a scene in the movie too where like like i think 20 or 30 minutes after that said um there's a scene where i think you see a dead seagull and then uh you like another seagull pops up robert pattinson's character is kind of like trying to you know shoot out of the way or whatever and the seagull just keeps like fucking with him and then he literally just grabs this fucking seagull and just starts slamming that shit against the fucking wall or whatever <laughs> the rock. and yeah and like for like maybe like the first like three seconds you're kind of like chuckle to yourself like at least i did because i'm like oh like you know whatever like he got tired of it bro but he fucking keeps going and oh like they filmed that shot for like Two minutes, bro. Like 120 seconds, like just fucking Robert Pattinson slamming a fucking bird against the rock, and then you're just like, wait, whoa, like what the fuck is going on, bro? Like this guy's actually going psycho. Like, yeah, after like, after like two or three times that he smashed it against the rock, I was like, I was like, damn, this guy's really fucking pissed. And then like, <laughs> and then like he kept doing it like repeatedly and repeatedly, and I was like. And you could just oh, tell too, like, like he's putting a lot of anger into like oh, it's not like he just like you know pop, pop, like he's just fucking oh like fucking trying to tear that shit up like the feathers are flying everywhere the seagulls literally like he hated that seagull bro yeah 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 <laughs> like, his character like like for sure seagulls are like <laughs> that's oh god he hates that shit so there's three scenes in particular that uh, stick out to me um the first one which is not my probably like my second favorite scene in the film is that scene when Robert Pattinson's character is having that vision where he goes out into the water and or onto the rocks next to the water and he sees the mermaid laying down is that the beginning of the movie this is like like the end of the first act first like 20 minutes okay this is yeah, like yeah, the end yeah. Of the first act um, gotcha. when the mermaid like he's looking at the mermaid and the mermaid starts screeching um you know what i'm talking about right Which yeah, yeah, yeah literally just like screeching in his face that was actually like a very that, like, that creepy that scene. legitimately sent chills down my spine like i i like yeah I legit, i got a, a chill um that was like like i like it was like a like i wasn't like scared but it, like it gives you like some type of like yeah like a chill down your spine like kind of sensation where you're like oh like it's just so eerie you know what i mean like it's weird like, mm -hmm, and yeah. it's so good um i think another scene that really sticks out to me is that scene when willem dafoe has like that five minute long monologue when robin pattison says that he doesn't like his cooking and like <laughs> willem dafoe like <laughs> calls upon fucking a poseidon to like <laughs> to like kill him and like he curses uh, robin pattison's character for like five minutes without blinking or like breathing i was like jesus christ bro willem dafoe snapped in that scene dude that was i didn't understand like half the words he was saying but i was like <laughs> holy shit this guy is he was mad yeah that guy's pissed like he, D literally now i know like if i ever meet willem dafoe in real life i'm not gonna disrespect his cooking absolutely absolutely can you imagine like like going to like a mcdonald's or something and be like hey you forgot my pickles and they just like curse you to hell like <laughs> like they say like a f like go on for five minutes talking about how poseidon is gonna like shove water in your lungs and and all that shit i was like yeah 100 percent um but bro but I think, that, that scene is fantastic yeah absolutely um but i think my 
favorite scene of the film and i think um it'll go down as my favorite scene of the year um and just the one scene that i keep going back to in my head i just keep thinking of is the one of the very last scenes of the film when um robert pattinson finally reaches the top of the lighthouse and he opens i love that scene he opens you know the source of light and uh, Robert Pattinson, like the whole the screen gets all distorted, um, and Robert Pattinson starts yelling and like this distorted. He lets out this distorted yell. It's loud, yeah. Uh, just I uh, literally Bro, his just acting talking, in that scene was incredible. Literally too. just talking about the scene, like is giving me shivers right now. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I think, I think my jaw literally dropped in that moment. And God damn, Robert Eggers knows how to direct a fucking ending. Bro, you know what's funny? is like during that scene, like when all that was happening, like I'm like staring at the screen and I'm like, like, bro, like, 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 like I'm just like in shock, but I'm like, like kind of laughing at the same time. I was like, my brother's movie's batshit crazy. And then <laughs> I, I look to my left and I'm like looking at Steven, just like, I, like you literally looked like you were being like, um, like you were just mesmerized by what you were seeing and it was it's like actually hilarious like i can actually back that up like you were literally like dude i could in shock i couldn't bro i couldn't fucking believe it like it, it was just so so good oh my god so like like chef's mwah, chef's kiss bro robert if you're listening to this i love you man bro no honestly like and and for all the DC fanboys out there that were talking trash about Robert Pattinson being Batman, the second that I heard Robert Pattinson was being Batman, I was like, "That's a phenomenal." Oh, one hundred percent. Because like I've already seen him in, in in all the like, bro. Take first of all, like Twilight. Like I don't even remember him ever doing Twilight, but he's done some fucking great movies. Like you know, Good Time, which is like one of my favorite movies ever. Good Time is awesome. Um, I love that movie so much. Um, he was in a uh, uh, what was that movie with um. With the guy from Sons of Anarchy, shit. Oh, you were just talking about this movie the other yeah, day. I don't remember off the top of my head right now. <laughs> the one that Tom Holland was in. Fuck, bro, what was that movie called? Oh, um, Lost City of Z. Yes, Lost City of Z. Like, I think he has a more of a minor uh, role in that movie, but he's also really good in that. Um, he's just done some good shit. There's, a, there's another movie too that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, like this movie, like if you have if you're if you're having your doubts about Robert Pattinson as Batman. This movie will change your mind. Yeah. Because he just acted <laughs> so well. And, like, that last scene, too, bro, like, when he's just fucking screaming. And, and like, I'm getting, like, all types of weird, like, sensations, like, in my mind. And I'm like, bro, like, this is actually crazy. And then I also love, too, how he falls all the way down the lighthouse. And then the movie just cuts to... This is the end of the movie, so, like... like literally the last scene. Th- yeah, like the movie cuts to him like laying there with like blood and 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 the seagulls are fucking like going savage mode on his entire body and I don't remember like I don't know if I was like looking at it weird but like was his eye like all fucked up? Oh, he was missing an eye. Okay, that's what I thought it was. I was like they're like, like they even like ripped off like the fucking skin of it and shit. Like it was disgusting. They were like um, literally eating like his intestines and shit. <laughs> Yeah, like they like literally he like the seagulls are just fucking going ham on him. So I guess you know the seagulls won in this case. Yeah. Um. Um. Before we continue to like a next point, I want to ask you about your interpretation of a lot of the key moments in this film because I have my interpretation, um, of several scenes in the film and how the like one of the main themes of the film or like at least an allegory. 
Okay. What do you, what scenes in particular? Okay. So I think um, when Robert Pattinson killed the seagull, the one who was missing the eye, um, I think at that moment started, um, I'm just going to call Robert Pattinson Winslow. I don't know why I haven't been calling him Winslow. But I think yeah, I'm so used to calling yeah, them by like their right. names in real life. So I think when Winslow killed the seagull, I think that started his damnation. Um, and now I don't know his descent into madness. I wouldn't say that. I think there was something much more at play here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think. I think obviously Robert Pattinson goes mad, but I think there is an outside force working, which I'm going to get to. Um, okay. I don't know whether it was the seagull or the light itself, because we know that obviously the light has some sort of power. As you can see, when Willem Dafoe, uh, when Winslow finds um, uh, Thomas Wake up at the top and he's you know masturbating to the light, I think the light does have some sort of power and influence. Um, but what I think when Winslow killed the seagull, it started you know his path to um, damnation, and when. Thomas Wake, you know, gave him that curse. Um, he also cursed him. He said something about um like Promethean, something about like something about Prometheus and shit. So I think at least that that's what I heard, and that's how I one of the words that I heard. I didn't understand a lot of it because just he was talking so fast and the accent was so thick, but I I got most of it. Um and I think Robert Pattinson himself like or Winslow's character himself was cursed on this rock. And I think like he was destined to die on this rock, and I one of the scenes that reinforces that is when he has a vision. You remember when he pulls um, the head out of the water, like inside the crab trap or the lobster yeah. trap? That I I think I couldn't really see it that well, but I think that was his head, and he was missing the same eye who was missing that was missing at the end of the film, and the same eye that the seagull that he killed was missing. Hmm. So I think in a way. I think uh, Robert Pattinson himself, I think there was something on that rock. I don't know whether it was, you know, the seagulls themselves or I'm more inclined to believe that it was the light itself. I think the light is kind of yeah, like this. Yeah, I, like, I, would, I, would, I would probably say the light. Yeah, I, w- I mean, like from my point of view. I would say like the light is this Lovecraftian sort of like entity that, you know, kind of like damned him to this place. And I think that the seagulls are like one of its vessels. Um, yes. Uh, which I could kind of relate to, and if you had seen The Witch, I could make a, an example in The Witch. Um, but that—that's just how I interpreted it. That like Robin Pattinson was was damned, you know, from the minute that he killed that seagull. Like I don't think it was him, you know. Like obviously he goes insane, but I think he goes insane because of the light itself. Like there was definitely its own entity. Okay, I could definitely see that. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, if I, if I really look back, I'm like, fuck, I want to rewatch this movie. Me too. Um, I really want to, like, I think I might have to buy the Blu-ray of this movie, like, if they even release a fucking Blu-ray. Like, are they going to release, like, a VHS? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I definitely think the light itself is, like, the cause of that. You know what I mean? Um, Fuck, bro, this movie's so deep. Like you now, you have me like really fucking thinking. Like, oh, and obviously, like, oh, sorry to interrupt you, but like, like the birds like eating at his liver and shit. Yeah, that's like what happens in the Prometheus, like, like mythological tale. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know the That's story of Prometheus, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. That's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I never caught that, but fuck, it's like these are like conversations that you have that make you really want to go rewatch a movie. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, what are the scenes? Like, are there any other scenes that you that you're thinking about that you that make you like? Hmm, how can I word this? I really don't know, bro. This movie's like. It's so, it's just different, man. <laughs> like I really can't. Like that's only the only word I can go with, because there's not a lot of films made like this. I get, I get what you're saying. It's. I really, it's like hard to like wrap my head around it. It's ambitious. It's uh, experimental in some ways. Um, yes. It's not your typical. Obviously, it's not your typical like Hollywood film. But Eggers has, you know, his own style, as you can see in The Witch and in this film. Um that I think just works really, really well um, for horror. Like, uh, wow, you know who produced this? Uh, A24. No, like, like producer. Oh, producer. Um, um, I'm not 100% sure. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of them, but there's one on here that just stands out to me. Um, it's uh Chris Columbus. He, the guy that did like the first two Harry Potters and and. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Home Alone. Oh, Home Alone. <laughs> Mrs. That's kind of like the lighthouse. <laughs> Home Alone. Yeah, bro. Kevin, Kevin, and Batman are uh, two characters. Uh, if you give them enough prep time, they'll uh, <laughs> they're the strongest forces of ever. Like they could solo like the the universe, given like a month of prep time. <laughs> give Kevin from from Home Alone literally like, two weeks, and Thanos doesn't acquire all the stones. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's pretty much all. Oh, uh, did you notice, uh, them drinking kerosene when they yeah. ran out of alcohol? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, which if, actually Brianna pointed that out when we were watching, which it. if you don't know, like obviously they use the kerosene is used to like power, like the light, <laughs> like they, that they used to refuel and shit. That's what they were drinking from at the end. In case you saw the film and you didn't notice, well, now you know. Oh, you know what I want to add to you? What? They I mean, they don't show it, but they for sure had sex. You think so? Like, yeah, I think so, honestly. Like, like the, the one scene where, where Robert Pattinson's character wakes up and, like, his uh his overalls or whatever you want to call that was kind of, like, um like, hanging out and whatever. That was, like, because that was the one scene that made me think, like, okay, like, there was something going on there. You there is I mean? a lot of like underlying sexual tension in the movie, yeah. though. So I, I kind of buy that. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that happened. Um, especially like uh, I, I think that Robert Eggers kind of like brought it up. It was like you know when two guys are fucking <laughs> stuck on a rock for you know forever long, like shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I find I found that kind of kind of hilarious. Um. But yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, this movie is is so different than what we've seen, you know, in a long time. And um, damn, bro, I really want to rewatch this yeah, right I now. Yeah, I want to rewatch this as well. I'm gonna watch it eventually. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure like the Blu-ray or whatever, you know, when it comes out on digital release or whatever, will probably be like in the next month or two because mm-hmm. smaller movies like this don't really like it's not like avengers endgame that takes five months to come out like this is going to be 
something that comes out within a month and a half, two months, because it's not it's gonna have a short, like uh uh like theater you know presence um or duration, um but yeah the movie is just really well done. I I gave it a five out of five, like I said earlier. Um yeah I I gave it a five I gave it a five out of five as well. Uh, I think I don't throw around this term a lot, but I think this movie is legitimately a masterpiece. I do yeah, not throw I, that, I agree. that term around, but like what people are saying about like Joker on Twitter and shit, <laughs> like this. Oh, so like, cringe! Like, so yeah, cringe! This is like a legitimate the film masterpiece, and I do not. What's funny too is like when I walked out of Joker, I was like, I was asked like, "Oh, do you think like it's like a masterpiece of a movie?" And I was like, "No, I don't know, not even." And close. I loved Joker. I loved it, but I was like, "No." Like the movie has its flaws, um, but it, bro, it's so cringe to see what's happened to the Joker with like the Joker stairs, yeah, and, uh, in Brooklyn and shit. Yeah, well, um, yeah, no, I I definitely think the Lighthouse is a better film than the Joker, and it, it is one of the best movies of the year. Um, I'd say damn, bro, as of like, right now, it's it's in my opinion the best movie of the year, um, and it's gonna take something like monumental. There's probably the only movie that I could see topping it is uh, Martin Scorsese's um, The Irishman. The Irishman. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, But yeah, Lighthouse, definitely really, really recommend it. Um, If you're still listening to this after the spoilers, I would still say 100% go watch it. It's just like. You definitely need to watch this film more than once. Yeah, like us just talking about it, you're, you're probably like, what the fuck? The movie's just really good. It's super funny, as weird as that sounds. There's a lot of scenes in this movie that make you actually chuckle out loud. Yeah, a lot of farts. Bro, Willem Dafoe farted like at least 15 times in this That's film. A lot of farts. <laughs> Bro, a lot of farts. Um, a lot of you know urinating, a lot of masturbation, and then, you know what's funny? I actually like there was a trivia that we put up the other day on on uh, on Backlot that said that Robert, this is like Robert Pattinson's like third straight movie where he has a master uh, a scene where he masturbates. Oh yeah, I saw and. That. Yeah, and the like and he has another movie coming out with Tom Holland. I forget the name of it at the top of my head, but that apparently he I think he came out and said like I actually filmed a masturbation scene in that movie too. So I, I, I that's don't know. Four straight movies. I don't know. He might have been messing around because he does like fuck around a lot in his interviews. Like when he said that yeah. he wanted to give Batman like the same accent that Willem Dafoe had in this movie. <laughs> He's like, Oh, I always thought Batman yeah, bro, everyone, piratey. Bro, everybody was like, What is this fucking guy talking about? And then I actually went to go watch the movie and I was like, he was so trolling. Bro, one hundred it had to have been like one big troll and shit, but but can you imagine we have a Batman that just comes out and why just spill your beans? <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck. All right. So good. Well, um. That's... Anyways, whoa, brothers. Who's doing the outro here, buddy? All right. Well, that pretty much uh, wraps it no, up for no. our lighthouse review. Uh, stay tuned next week. I'm gonna be watching Jojo Rabbit next week. I know John is is gonna try to watch it as well. So I'll definitely be talking about Jojo Rabbit, which I am extremely excited for. No, I'm I'm for sure gonna be on that episode. I, I really want to watch it. I love Taika Waititi. So. Um, and I'm sure we'll I'll probably talk about like some Terminator there too, just because I feel like I have to. Um, yeah. And I'm gonna most likely be talking about some Succession, which I wanted to talk to to talk about today. Uh, but seeing as how we ran a little longer than usual. I'm probably just going to save that for next episode. So uh, stay tuned for that um, next week. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, yes, definitely. Follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Like we're actually doing some fun things on yes. there. Like on Instagram, 
Well, we're doing a lot of trivia, you know, getting our opinions. Like we have, like I said, that Spooktober where we're giving out a clip of a movie every every day. Uh, so definitely go check that out, guys. We're actually there's there's a lot of giveaways and things that Stephen and I have been discussing that we want to uh, you know move forward with. So be on the lookout for that. So follow us on Instagram at Inside the Backlot, and our Twitter is Inside Backlot. You can find out you can you get a lot of information and news and and, and photos. All that good stuff following these accounts. So definitely can check it out, guys. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and then with that being said, thank you guys for listening. And you all have a fantastic rest of your day or night, wherever time you're listening to this. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Very well said.